0: now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sam Darnold is now a Carolina Panther. The Jets are going to trade Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. They're going to get a sixth-round pick in this year's draft and a second and a fourth in 2022, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. So the Jets are obviously going quarterback at two. In all likelihood, it looks like uh, Wilson of BYU might be their guy. We'll see. I'm still a big Justin Fields guy. Uh, no offense. I For some reason, Fields is getting knocked, and I'm looking around like, I don't quite get it. I mean, I mean, somebody's watched him play in person a couple times. He does some pretty good things, but it's their decision. I'm just saying it's the way I would go. But the Jets are going to trade Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. Sixth-round pick this year, second- and fourth-round picks in 2022. Dick Girardi in a moment. First of all, our play-by-play call of the day. So many choices. How about this one? Again with the ball in his hands. In the paint floater. Short. Got it back. Ties it with three. Gonzaga has time to do something. Socks for the win. Oh, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. The perfect season remains on go. Are you? Oh, my God. There is. There are onions, Jim. Onions quadruple order. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Phenomenal. You should hear Kevin Kugler's call. On Westwood was phenomenal. So I texted Kevin today. I said, uh, I said, uh, your calls in the final sequence were phenomenal, from reminding everyone UCLA was out of timeouts to the calls of both baskets. I used it as an example in my broadcasting class this morning about how to do it. He texted me back, Steve, molding young minds with me as an example is a good way to get a classroom full of insurance salesmen. <laughs> with <laughs> with, with a laugh, thank you. I texted it back. Representatives from Etna Nationwide and travelers were all waiting in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. See, Purdy's, I know my insurance companies. Okay, Purdy Insurance. There you go. Market Street and Sunbury. Go to Purdy and see, I know how to do this show. Purdy Insurance. <laughs> Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. They can take care of it all. And they'll do everything they can to save you money. They're going to keep you updated. The last thing you need is to have something happen, and then you're surprised by your coverage. Purdy Insurance, make sure there are no surprises, and you're all set. Purdy Insurance, the pros, pros. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Bring in my broadcast partner, last 17 seasons, working on 18, and that is Dick Girardi as we talk about what happened on Saturday night, what's about to happen tonight. DJ, always great, my friend. When you look at what UCLA did the other night, in some ways how anti-analytics was that?
1: Close to impossible. Uh, One of my favorite analytics sites said if those two teams shot the same shots in a game, Gonzaga would win 98% of the time. Uh, So that's how unusual it was. UCLA made all these mid-range jump shots, the jump shots that coaches now teach players not to shoot. Uh, In fact, Steve, they were 9 out of 9 on jump shots between the free throw line and the top of the arc, which is also unheard of. But look, they did it, and that's why they almost won. It's a little counterintuitive, but Gonzaga guards the lane and they guard the three-point line like most good teams do. Those were the shots that were going to be open. And to Mick Cronin's credit, he ISO'd his guys. They had the guys that could do it, and they made an incredible percentage of those shots. And they still lost. That's how good Gonzaga.
0: Is. That's how good Gonzaga is, without question. The uh, what did we see in Jalen Suggs? Uh, you and I have seen him. We've watched him on TV. But I think the whole country really has had now a chance to watch him in a game like that. What are you seeing in a player like that?
1: Well, if he's not the number one pick in the NBA draft, whoever's doing the pick is getting it wrong. Steve, he's a ten-time All Star. Who's that? He just needs a, a consistent three-point shot. He's got everything else. He's a NBA level athlete. Everybody saw the block, the the half-court bounce pass for the dunk. That's a play. Yeah, that's a play LeBron James makes. But you know LeBron's six eight, Suggs is six three. Just a spectacular quarterback in high school, um, and he's the player Gonzaga has never had before. Uh, he's the guy that makes the difference in both ends uh, defense. Uh, great setup on offense. Incredibly quick. Very strong. And just again, just needs a dependable three point shot. But yeah, he's a spectacular player on a court tonight that will be filled with spectacular yeah. players on both sides
0: did the and obviously the shot by Suggs if it doesn't go in you go to a second overtime Uh, but he makes the shot you were there with a great angle on the Gordon Hayward shot where it was winner to lose it in the air I know this was a little bit closer but did you get the same feeling in some ways and you obviously the, the play by Chris Jenkins
1: Yeah, No, I did. Yeah, I I saw Jenkins' shot. I was close to that. I I was right next to Hayward right as he was dribbling up the court in the same building, shooting at, I don't know if it's the same rim, but, you know, the same end of the court, uh, I think, if I have it right, assuming the camera angles were the same. Um, But, yeah, Hayward was a little farther away, and some shot to me when it left his hand looked good. And it was a little more of a shot. Uh, Hayward wasn't a throw, but it didn't have the same feel to me when it left his hand. But yeah, I was exact, I was behind the Hayward shot and the angles were very similar, like you said, except Suggs was maybe ten feet or so closer, uh, and he had a little more time. I can't remember the time when uh when Zubak missed the free throw for Duke, but I think it was I think it was less than three seconds. Yeah. Um and, and, and remember Zubak they missed it on purpose. Because right. Duke didn't uh Gonzaga, or excuse me, Butler didn't have any timeouts left. It was a calculated risk by Krzyzewski almost blew up in his face because uh, if you make it, you can't lose. You can only tie. Uh, but he didn't want uh, Butler to be able to throw the ball up into the front court without the clock running, which I, I probably would have done the same thing. The odds on making that shot are very small, obviously.
0: Yeah, I felt like Hayward was a launch and that the way Sugg shot it, it was a shot. I mean, the, yeah. with the snap and yep. the follow-through yep. on it.
1: Very much so. And you could see... From, he looked like he was pretty sure it was going in the whole time Yeah, and, and, yeah, and you you and I have been in enough practices and shoot rams through the years that's what every college team does at the end of every practice slash shoot around right. most of the time they're doing it for fun but there's always that chance you might do it and you'd like to have practiced it and he looked like he had practiced yeah. it a number of times
0: there was also another factor in this uh, Mick Cronin who coached a brilliant game had to use along the way all of his timeouts to do it. I mean, all five of them because he had got the extra one in overtime. UCLA didn't have a timeout. Now So at the end, there was go time. But it wasn't just go time. When uh, when he made the shot on the follow, they didn't have a timeout to then set their defense. Uh, what kind of factor did that play in it?
1: Yeah, I mean a factor because you'd rather have and you'd rather have it set than have it scrambled like it was where guys are just trying not to do anything bad. It's always nice when the coach can think about it. But conversely, Steve, if they call time out there. Then Gonzaga's got time maybe to set up a, right. the home run play. We throw the ball to mid court and then try to pitch it ahead. Cause you had enough time with over three seconds left. Sure. So there's two ways two ways to look at that. Um, look, I did think Mick, Mick coached a perfect game. Um, the only way – look I never saw that coming. I never envisioned in a million years usually could make that percentage no. of shots. No. But what he did was um, very few passes, um, so fewer chances of a turnover, and turnovers are like yeah, put at the basket for Gonzaga because they change ends so fast. Um, and the fact that there were so few passes meant that the, they got the run the shot clock down, a fewer possessions, and he always had the, the ball was always with the guys who were the best one on one guys, uh, the two Js for UCLA. And, uh, yeah, look, I don't know what happened at Gonzaga for, <laughs> for the one kid, but good Lord – or excuse me, at Kentucky for the one kid yeah. uh, last year at saying, <laughs> But, Lord, what a player he is. Okay. And he's kind of an old-school game. He's got that one-on-one pull-up game that you just don't see anymore because uh, it's not taught. Uh, And he also has a great three-point shot. He's a 90% free-throw shooter. Like a lot of people, he missed a couple free throws Saturday night. And and obviously any missed free throw, Gonzaga missed eight out of 20, uh, matter. But, yeah, what a spectacular game. I mean, I think that was the most important takeaway, right?
0: It
2: was was
1: great to watch. It was great for college basketball. It obviously will increase – The ratings tonight. Now the chances of us getting another game that's spectacular are not very good. (laughs) No, so for a good one, and I would think high scoring. I don't think Baylor's going to hold the ball. I think I think they think they can score with Gonzaga.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, What struck me about Baylor watching Houston was not the offense. Okay, it's there, Uh, but what struck me was how well and how quickly they switched on defense. What did you think?
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's what their three guards, especially, are capable of. Um, I mean they're just they're so good. Yeah, you know, Mitchell's the the super defender, but yeah, they're all good. You don't need to, you don't need to, you don't get caught up on any screens because you can switch everything out front. Now that's a little different with Gonzaga, Steve, because they're a bigger team, yeah. and they're trying to get the closest possible shot. They are right now, I'm sure they're going to hold the record after tonight for the highest two point percentage in the history of college basketball. Now, that's the only a percentage that's relevant, obviously, since 1987, because right. nobody was keeping that back in the day, because all shots were two point shots. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that they're at 64% on twos is just an insane number. But yeah, Baylor does have a very good defense. You also have number one and number two offenses in the country yeah. coming into the game. And actually, uh, Gonzaga's defense rates a little higher. You wouldn't have known that from Saturday <laughs> night. Uh, but generally, it does rate a little higher. But I don't think this game is going to be won by defense. I, I, I think the Man. teams whose offense is better is going to win. And I do think that is Gonzaga. The, the, to me, the great college teams of the last, say, 25, 30 years – are the ones when they are on offense you just feel like you're getting steamrolled
0: yes Uh,
1: and you can't like you can't make a comeback because you can never get stops you Mm. certainly can't get consecutive stops that come from 10 behind because they just keep scoring and Gonzaga's just got that unique way of getting good shots and making them into great shots and obviously they have great finishers around the rim and have particularly neither team really. I mean, Saturday night uh, Baylor shot it really well from three, but neither has shot great from three. Although Baylor's the better three sh- three-point shooting team, and I do think that's Baylor's chance to win tonight if they're going to. They're going to need one of those say twelve out of twenty-two from three nights, uh, <laughs> which is possible. I mean, they've done it, yeah. but uh, they're, I think they're going to have to because they're going to get a, they're going to get outscored pretty dramatically in the lane.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I texted you the other day that Baylor would need a dozen.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's it. I think that's what it's going to take because you better be prepared to score at least 80. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of the nature of how these teams play. And I, play, and I do not think, unlike uh, UCLA, which was trying to hold down possessions, which is why they played so slow when they had the ball, I just don't think Baylor wants to do that. It's not how they play. I mean, they're. they're I don't think Scott Drew is going to say, hey, look, Uh, you know, we can't play with this team. I think he's always thought he could. You know what, he can. I mean, they're good enough. This is no worse than the second-best team in the country.
0: And they were supposed to play December 5th. Yep. Uh, And that's – I don't think a lot of people – yeah, you and I realize that, but I don't think a lot of people realize that they were supposed to play December 5th. Uh, And, of course, because of COVID, they couldn't. Gonzaga – the one thing that I know when you and I have talked during the course of the season, when it comes to Gonzaga, essentially they are a seven-man team. Yep. And they only played seven the other night. Uh, is it important how the game is called because of that? Because I know that's one thing. I thought the, the best job Mick did with his team was that six-minute stretch where he had guys in foul trouble.
1: Yeah, no, it is important. I thought the game was called spectacularly Saturday night. Yep. There were guys in foul trouble, but I thought they were fouls. Yes. And I thought that the officials had a real good handle at the end when guys had four fouls. And, look, a good official knows that. And if it's borderline, you let it go. You you want guys, you know, I've been advocating for years to get rid of the foul-out rule, as you know. I think it's a single dumbest rule in sports. Um, It's the only sport that I know of where the best players often can't play at the end of games. It's just dumb. Uh, I'll never win that argument, but it's still out there. But, yeah, (laughs) how the game is going to be called is obviously critical. But these teams play so beautifully on offense that they're actually going to sound crazy. They're actually hard to foul uh, because you can't get near them because the ball moves, the spacing is so good. So I'm hoping that's not a problem, and and whoever the three officials are tonight, you just hope it's not one of those guys. And I don't know who it is. I mean, I have a general idea who it is because I know who hasn't ref yet, and I know right. the nine, guys. I Ex- knew the people that were selected
0: exactly. Um,
1: I, but I just hope that they realize it's not about them; it's about the
0: players. Right, and, and it, that's exactly right. It's a, it's about the players. Um, this is the game that we've, you know, everybody's been waiting for. Sure. So, in a game like this, you know, I think you've outlined a couple of factors. But what are a couple of factors for you moving forward in this game tonight that we, as as viewers, should be watching for?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's um, will Baylor's perimeter uh, be better than the entire? Gonzaga five-man rotation. Uh, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. Their perimeter is clear. and Baylor's is clearly the best in the game and Gonzaga's five-man starting rotation is clearly the best in the game. Um, Baylor will often play four guards. Um, Gonzaga's the far bigger team, so I think it, how does that play out? The three-point number, I think, is going to be critical. Gonzaga is an okay three-point shooting team, yeah. like around 37. Yeah. They're certainly not bad, but it's not what they do. Kispert, who's their best three-point shooter, has not shot well. No. If he has one of those five-for-five games, look out. So I think I think that's important to look at. Um, I also think it, it was fascinating the other night, Steve, if you think, remember the last two times, and you, you and I will remember them both, that a team got to the Final Four undefeated. They were heavily favored UNLV over Duke in 91 and then Kentucky in 2015 over Wisconsin. And when the game got tight at the end, so did the undefeated team. Yes. Uh, UNLV certainly did. It turned out that Duke team was uh, – people didn't realize it at the time, but they were actually as good as UNLV, not at Grand Hill at Iraq. Yeah. Um, but Wisconsin was not as good as Kentucky. But they, they unnerved them to the point where they got the game playing like they wanted to play it at the end, and Kentucky just didn't answer it. And I thought Gonzaga, conversely, really answered it. Like they could have gotten tight never did. Uh, I thought they just kept playing right to the wire, and I think that stands them in really good stead tonight. Look, this isn't just about a national championship, although that's huge because neither school has ever won, but Gonzaga's not only looking for a national yeah. championship, they're looking for legend <laughs> possibilities tonight yeah. when you go undefeated in this sport.
0: And what happens in that situation, and something you and I have talked about, is that teams all of a sudden feel like they have something to lose. Yes. And yep. that, you and I have talked about that many times. The, the, the moment that you feel like you have something to lose, now you start playing a little bit differently instead of playing to win. And Gonzaga just felt played to win. No no live ball turnovers. Uh, their free throws weren't that great, but I mean, yep. But for the most part, they played well.
1: Yeah, that was that was the only thing I saw. Where the couple of the free throws, but yeah, look, it's just you miss free throws. That's just the way life happens sometimes. But yeah, I they never looked. Tight to me, and I think that's a tribute to the coach. Uh, that's a tribute to the joy the team plays with. But um, I, 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 the reality is, Steve, if Baylor hadn't had their what three week uh, pause, hell, they might be undefeated too. That's right, right. I yep. mean, they they were unreal before that, and if they're starting to get back to that form. Yeah, I mean we could be looking at two teams. What are we looking at already? Thirty-one and oh versus like was it twenty-eight and two or whatever the yeah. number is? It's crazy. Uh, we haven't had a finals matchup like this with those kind of records. I know ninety-nine was crazy with UConn and Duke. I think they had yeah. a combined three losses. I don't remember the Illinois North Carolina. I know Illinois only had one and O five. Right. North Carolina didn't have a lot. No, they had. I think, a couple, that,
0: I think they had two. And by the way, I'd like to point out to everybody who picked UConn to beat Duke that night.
1: Yeah, that was me, uh, yeah, and that was it was funny because I, I remember that game so vividly, Steve, because Duke had been anointed, not and they were really good. I mean, like really good. But the only really good pro they had was Elton Brent. Uh right. UConn had Richard Hamilton, who I thought was the best of the whole on the court. And people didn't seem to get that they were actually a nine-point underdog that night. But yeah, and they and they played in the Big East, which was at least as good as the ACC that year, if not better. But Duke had the name, and Duke had already won a couple of national titles. UConn hadn't won one yet. But since that, interestingly enough, UConn actually has one fewer national title than Duke. People right. don't probably realize that either. It's five right. to four. <laughs> that's,
0: that's, yeah, exactly. You think many people know that. Uh, very few, except maybe two people that are chatting right now.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And and for the people, that I know the Duke people hate this, North Carolina still has one more than Duke. They have six. Uh, Dean has two, Roy has three, and people with long memories remember Frank McGuire had one in 1957 when they beat Wilt Chamberlain in Kansas in triple overtime after also winning the the semifinals against Michigan State in triple overtime, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, that was the one where... um... Kansas was playing Memphis and you were, you were courtside and I texted you that Billy Packer said Kansas knows all about overtime, <laughs> overtime. games. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. it, like, that was, it was 1957.
1: Two, <laughs> yeah, except it was 2008 in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, well, that that was kind of Billy toward the end. His mind was just work, talking about things that had happened years before. I remember when uh, when he was dissing St. Joe's when they were number one seed, you no know, four, uh, and he said they shouldn't be a number one seed. He says, don't no, remember when they played Wake Forest when I was there. I said, Bill, you were there in 1962. I don't think anybody cares.
0: Bones McKinney.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Bones and Jack Ramsey, but not relevant to what's happening in 2004. Uh, but That is what happens to uh, older announcers uh, that sometimes get caught up in things that happened in yesteryear. But look, there's, sometimes there's analysis. To certain things, but the reality is you got to look at what's right
0: in front of you. My friend, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.
1: Yes, sir. See you, Steve.
0: Six national titles, North Carolina. Five national titles, Duke. Four national titles, Yukon. First district title since 1979, Chickalimbe. A message from the suit and the ad council. We'll come back with more in a moment. Frank Bodani, final half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, q 11 and 15, almost Warp Online at sunburymotors.com. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to PurdyInsurance.com, auto home life business. I mean, one of the worst things you can happen to you is you, you feel like you're covered, something happens, and you go, what do you mean we came up just short? That doesn't happen with Purdy Insurance. Constantly updating all the time because each individual customer has their own each individual importance to them. Customer service means everything to them. They are the pros, pros in insurance, and they do everything they can to save you money. All at Purdy Insurance, Market Street, in Sunbury. Go to PurdyInsurance.com. Okay. Penn State football. Practicing today. The... Uh, not going to get into, obviously, particulars, because I can't really do that, but the more I watch them offensively, the more I feel like there's so many elements to this where, obviously, you have to execute it, but they have an opportunity to have a dynamic offense. You have to execute it. There's no getting around it, but... They have a chance, I think, to be dynamic offensively. With that, let's bring in Frank Bodani, York Daily Record. Frank, always a pleasure, my friend.
2: Hey, Steve. How are you doing today?
0: Doing Beautiful well. day, right? It's a gorgeous day out today. Players have yeah. had an opportunity to talk with media. So what's been your primary take when you've had a chance to listen to some of the players talk about this spring?
2: Uh, I think as expected, maybe the incentive carrying over from last year, you know, none of it went as planned. None of it felt right. I don't think any of the returning guys believe they showed what uh, anything close to the expectation. So that's kind of driving them more than uh, any of the recent James Franklin teams, right, as far as proving yourself. And I think that's big motivation this spring that's the that's the big thing
0: what was the what did you get out of sean clifford's talk and especially when he talked about a new offensive coordinator and quarterback coach in mike yursich
2: i think you get the sense of a different vibe a different energy from the new oc that's kind of one of the things that came through i mean from sean um you know he's a thermostat i think not the thermometer is what he was saying that others have talked about you know the quick pace already you know that mike runs and how they're pushing the envelope on tougher stuff early in practice and for a veteran like sean it seems like he's embracing that it didn't seem like he's bothered much i mean what's he going to say but what fourth offensive coordinator sure. <laughs> something like that right um I think he just wants somebody, hey, it's going to help me get to the next level, I mean, of performance. And uh, I think people are, t- I think Mike, you is a little bit of a whirlwind and I think it, in a good way. And I think that's, uh, that's. Uh, I think it has people excited going forward. Uh,
0: has, did he d- discuss at all whatever kind of relationship he's built with Mike in the last couple of months?
2: You know, he, i didn't get anything real particularly noteworthy other than the fact that you know it's a crash course for these guys i mean mike came in granted early in january but they're really first just first on field type of work that's going on now i you know i think he he gets a sense he believes in what mike's done with quarterbacks in the past that precedes him and i think uh I don't think Sean needs a whole lot you know to get back to 2019 form and to uh, take it up another notch I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between what we saw then and what we can see now Um, and I think people might mistake that (laughs) I think they might think really question Sean I'm still in the camp of uh, he was part of the aberration of last year and I think he he has everything in his background to be a great quarterback, I think, at this level, and I think uh, he just, just needs things to fall in place a little bit.
0: Yeah, and, and part of falling into place for him, because I agree with you, he has, I think he has a lot of the tools you're looking for to play really well at this level. What does the comfort level... You have to have everybody, but what does the comfort level of having Jahan Dotson mean to him?
2: Oh my gosh, everything, because there's no guarantee. One, no guarantee Jahan was going to come back, but he's your He's your go-to guy beyond that, even. I mean, he's your go-to guy, but he's a spectacular play guy, which sometimes that's not always the case with the one, isn't always the second either, you know, but he is. He's the go-to guy. He makes the spectacular plays. He can bail you out. I mean, and he's got that kind of, uh, at least to us, that steady, low-key work ethic work ethic uh, that I think seeps out into the rest of the room and team. And having that guy going in there you can trust, you know, helps. I think it's got to help make things easier in the whole rest of the group. In you know, reading, because.
0: Yeah, go know. ahead. Uh, sure. I was, was going to say, in reading a couple of articles on the defensive side, it seems that there have been a few players that have singled out Jair Brown as somebody that's made strides. What have they told you, especially the players, about the strides of a guy like that? Because you have Jaquan Brisker back there. You have Jonathan Sutherland back there. But what have they told you about Brown?
2: The Lackawanna connection, maybe. It's your starting safeties. Uh, Just that he needs more time, and he's getting it now, like the game's slowing down for him. I think, as expected, you make the big jump into big 10 football from junior college and I think everything was just a little too fast for him um I don't think you were able to see his potential out there a lot because he's thinking too much and he's a step late or trying to make up for it not being in the right spot and that uh the game's down so the the potential you saw you know as a hitter a pursuer I think that's he's much more comfortable so you can let the guy, you can see what he really is about. And it seems like if he's if he's getting those reviews now, that's a good sign that it's happening in the spring, that it's not going to take him maybe. The hope is, you know, if it doesn't take him part way through 2021 to get there, then he could be your starting guy from day one next to Brisker.
0: And you mentioned we've just talked about Brisker. In the last half of last season, was it your sense the game had slowed down for him as well?
2: Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, talking to when Brent pride talked to us earlier, you know, he mentioned about how, um, Brisker was playing a slightly different position, slightly different role. And a lot of things that us, even, we don't understand, you know, you're still the safety, but it may not be the same responsibilities as what you were doing at the other position or, but that he really got comfortable, that he was just—and uh, you see it, right? He's—he's he's making plays, you know. Before, it's not even so much that he—you see him making mistakes, as it's you just wouldn't. How involved is he? Does he look on the field? Maybe not as much. All of a sudden, that he the—you know—during the win streak, he's a guy that's popping out, making the plays, and he, that's because he knows he feels more comfortable he knows what's doing and penn state needs that and that's in that secondary at safety i mean i, I mean, you know that always hasn't always been a position of high strength at least looking at an elite big 10 level well maybe we're getting there here with this with this with the with with, with him as a leader for sure
0: the uh, i want to get to the combine for a moment or the pro day for a moment Frank, there was nothing that was surprising to any of us who are around this all the time that Jason Oway ran the numbers he did, lifted the way he did, what Micah Parsons did. It wasn't a surprise, but the NFL people, to them, it's, whoa, and I understand that because, you know, they're not keeping track of it the same way that we do. What does this tell us about them as players, but what does it also tell us about how Penn State has it set up in their strength and conditioning program? And it seems like these kind of numbers pop out all the time.
2: I think that's getting noticed, Steve, is that the last part of your statement is that Penn State is producing these types of results now every year. I mean, I think Troy Apke was a guy that was wowed people too. I mean, people expect stuff from Saquon, but Troy, Troy Apke was there. Like, where'd this guy come from? Um, Jason, I think, had that notoriety but he needed to prove it again i think is more what it was the feel i got is that scouts heard about the times they heard about the ability but let's see it in front of us i I don't want to call him a fickle group but um (laughs) i I don't think he did anything that we didn't already expect him to do i mean i don't think that's what mike if i was a NFL team, I wouldn't be my concern. Those numbers, I would expect those numbers. Maybe just approving the of them, because now it seems like, at least to me, he's more of a sure round first round pick than he was before March, and yeah. good yeah. for him.
0: Yeah, because the big question now is—it's a question I got. I was on um, Sirius NFL Radio Saturday, and uh, they asked me about. You know the sack numbers. Now he had five sacks in twenty nineteen, as a matter of fact. But they, they, you know, everybody's looking for anything. It's not when you are spending that much money, which the NFL is, on whomever it is. They do have to be nitpicky. I mean, they have to be because that's a big investment for them to make. So, how did you view Oway in twenty twenty compared to what you saw in twenty nineteen?
2: Well, he was an everyday player. That and James, I think James talked about it very succinctly recently. Is that hey, we knew he could rush the passer. He had to prove to us that he could be an every down yep. force against the run, which he was. And James also said, hey, and, you know, and you could read through it. You know, James certainly wasn't going to probably tell Jason you you definitely should come back, right? Because he knows what the reality of the sure. money is and everything. But he makes the case that if Jason would come back in 21, he'd be confident that he'd put everything together for the scouts, for everybody watching, would be a top 15 pick next, this time next year. Okay, well, he could still technically be that. And to me, it's the right – what team what team, and what defense and their need is is going to be uh, for Jason. So, uh, you know, if, there's, if a team views him that, hey, this is our defense, we need this type of guy that we can move – from, like, an out- a linebacker to a lineman position. And, you know, he could play early. He could be a higher pick. You know, he, it's going to take learning either way for him on the next level, right? But I think um, he, he, it's all about the investment and where you, where you see him. He's going to be good. How quickly will he be a force that you see on Sundays? I think that's just the situation for Jason.
0: And that was something that I – Mentioned to them, I said, Look, he only has played five years of organized football. Three of them were here. The bottom line is the parts you can't teach 6'5, 257, 4'3, 21 on the bench, things like that. I said, You can't teach that. I said, The other parts you can teach him. And Micah Parsons is a perfect example of that. Micah Parsons moving back from the line of scrimmage. It was a learning curve for him. And what always impressed me, you know, and Brent has done a great job with him. What impressed me was how quickly he picked up a lot of nuances of playing in space that take people a long time to pick up, Frank.
2: Well, I I mean, I'm doing a preview story on him for the draft. And the thing his high, you know, I went back to his high school coach and he said that, you know, basically the thing people overlook is how fast Micah picks up things. And I think that is going to be, to me, that's what I'm catching on if I'm an NFL team, is that, you know, you know what the skills can be and you know that the development's going to be there. But if he's got the mind for picking things up fast and for this sport, like he does, apparently, and I mean above the average player, then that's the thing that could make him great and make him great soon.
0: Well, this is going to be an interesting couple of weeks coming up, Frank, uh, because I think it's important to help set the tone for the off season, and I think they've set a really good tone so far. Always great to have you with us, my friend. Looking forward to Thank seeing
2: you. Thank you. All the best. Yes, we'll definitely stay in touch. Enjoy enjoy the week coming up, Steve.
0: Frank Podany, York Daily Record. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Great to have you with us today, brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
2: Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. As the days get warmer, our attention turns to home improvements and even starting a new business. Remember, you can't expect the unexpected. Protect yourself, your family, your business with insurance from Purdy Insurance. We're independent and local, and we'll find the right insurance to fit your needs. Give Purdy Insurance a call at 570 286 5855. Send us an email or go to our website at purdyinsurance.com to see what we can do for you.
0: Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked. Three just in Gonzaga, one step closer to history. Unbeaten Gonzaga comes up with the hero play of the year from the freshman, and their one win away from an undefeated national championship. 93-90 Gonzaga and Baylor
2: playing Monday night for the title, thanks to the star of the night. Jalen Suggs. Count the bucket. Ball game over. 93-90. Bulldogs win.
0: Is the one guy that says UCLA is out of timeouts. So, I've heard, you know, so if you go back even further than that, that wasn't critical. I mean, UCLA was out of timeouts, so with 14 seconds to go, they get the rebound. It's a go time. Also, by having making a go time, they didn't have a chance to call a timeout after they made the basket um, great call I texted him this morning, but I thought it was phenomenal. He's the one guy that said, and I mean the one guy that said that UCLA was out of timeouts as they were. Not gonna get into I'm not gonna get into that. I I did make an example out of the fourth quarter. It's the only part of the game I watched, the fourth quarter of the Arizona UConn women's game. Not, that came up in today's broadcasting class several times. I said, let's discuss okay, like letting the game get away from you. But we're not gonna get into that. That's that's for the class to know and try and learn from. Kevin's example was something they could learn from, too. How did he do it right? That was excellent. So, Baylor and Gonzaga tonight. uh, Stick with what we said on Friday. We'll go with Gonzaga. The key to me, part of this is going, I thought UCLA played the game beautifully. Gonzaga played the game beautifully. The game was officiated beautifully. Gonzaga won 93-90 because Gonzaga won 93-90. UCLA didn't lose it. Officials didn't take it away from them. Gonzaga won at 93-90. That's why you love a game like that. You know, that's why we talk about look how offense means something. We're seeing that in college football all the time. It means a lot in college basketball, too. You have to pick out a way for your team to win. But if you're noticing of late in the last few years, college basketball is a lot like college football. you got to get some points. And I was mentioning earlier, I was on Sirius on, on Saturday, and I said, look, you hire a defensive coordinator these days. You're looking at that guy saying, look, get me one more stop each half compared to what I got last year. Because that's the way the game is now. That was just a beautifully played basketball game on Saturday night by both teams and officiated well. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com, auto home light business. They'll take care of all your insurance needs and save you money. All at Purdy Insurance, Market Street, and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kierwoods 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf.